you can create content in the same way that we normally do. People don't necessarily want to see the, the content that we normally create. You have to be sensitive to that. Hello and welcome to Girls With Goals. My name is Neve Mar. I'm coming to you from my living room today, wrapping up the third week of working from home and quarantine. Starting to adapt to life a little bit more now. I have to give a massive shout out actually at this point to all the team working uh, on her.ie. If you head over to the site and also to our Instagram page, it's filled with comforting content at the moment. This past week alone, we've had interviews with people who've lost their jobs and are embarking on small business plans. We've also spoken to authors about remaining calm in a crisis. Helen Steele spoke to us about colors that we should surround ourselves with. We also spoke to Neil Sands, who's a businessman, and he started a fund to get medical professionals home and our own Jade Hayden gave us the top recommendations for social distancing apps. So busy, busy times for her. And you can get all of that information over on the Instagram, her.ie, as well as visiting the site as well. So do make sure to do that. On this week's show, another packed lineup, we'll be catching up with Elaine Doyle later on in the show. She is also known as the Emotion Coach, but Elaine is a holistic life coach. We're going to talk to her a little bit about vegetables as well, because she's kind of embarked upon a journey of uh, planting and growing and potting her own vegetables. And it's something that I've been interested in for a while, but I literally have absolutely no idea how to go about it. Uh, I mentioned earlier on as well, Neil Sands, uh, he's the man behind the Ireland's Call initiative. Um, They're bringing medical professionals home to Ireland amid the COVID-19 health crisis. So we're going to hear a little snippet from that interview. But first, Louise Cooney is a fashion, travel and lifestyle blogger. We all know her from the scene here in Ireland. But around seven months ago, Louise moved over to New York, well, obviously what's happening in New York at the moment with the coronavirus situation, it escalated very, very quickly. So Louise made the decision to come home here to Ireland. I caught up with her earlier in the week as she self-isolates. So Louise Cooney, thank you so much for joining us. A uh, bit of a mad time. You're back, you're home in Ireland. Uh, getting on, how are you feeling? I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really relieved. And here, you know, you have, we have... A really good healthcare system the government are taking it so seriously so I just feel safer here and I have my family here so I'm currently isolating for 14 days after getting back and then I'll be able to see them so we got really lucky I'm I was coming back with my friend Charlotte who also lives in New York and her friends rent out these houses but obviously because of the lockdown nobody has been able to to use them so we were lucky they were free and we were able to isolate here it's not too far from Limerick. We're both from Limerick. It's about 45 minutes outside Limerick. Yeah. So actually maybe a bit further. But um, it's ideal. It's it's close to home and it's, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. We're not going to meet anyone. So a lot of our uh, followers and our audience follow you and have been following your journey in New York. It's mad to think that you've been there for like seven months now, is it? Is that is it seven months, six, seven months? Yeah, coming up. Yeah, yeah, that's right, actually, coming up to seven months. I know. It's not really the year I planned, but, you know, because I'm probably going to be, end up being away for like two months. Um, what can you do? Like, the, this is just the way the world is right now. It's, this is, you know, a good situation in comparison to the situation some people are in. I was glad to leave. Like, I didn't want to leave. But at the same time, the city was not the city I moved to when I left. Without the, like, people and without the buzz and being able to go out to restaurants 
New York is just not the same, you know? Yeah, like I was going to ask about that because I was following your blog and and um and stuff like that. And it did seem like you were kind of battling with the decision whether you should come home or whether you should stay there in New York. But New York did, it seemed to be one of the places that just almost overnight became a completely different place and got really, really scary. Like, can you kind of tell us what that was like being there? Yeah, so like I was totally planning on staying because Cooper was over there and I have all my stuff there like for you know doing my job to be able to create content I need my clothes I need my makeup I need you know just my setup my lights my cameras so moving all that is like a lot of effort and I wasn't able to you know I was only able to pack one suitcase but um watching the numbers go up every day was really scary like they were growing so quickly and like when you look at the numbers now even since we we left they've gone up so much so it definitely was the right decision. Like my parents were getting really worried. Um, so I just had to, I had to make a call. I couldn't live in an apartment in a room, you know, by myself. Um, it's obviously like not the most ideal situation that has brought to you coming back. So I kind of want to talk more a little bit about how things were in New York and like your career and how everything was going. Because I remember when you moved over, people were obsessed with your apartment and we're so obsessed with how you were designing and styling it and everything like that so I mean how was it initially and how how has the move been for you because like a massive life change for you so tell us a little yeah. bit about the New York obviously we don't want to diminish what's going on now with the coronavirus mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but I do want to talk a little bit about um your work as a blogger in New York so mm-hmm. how's that so it's been really good like I've literally just had the craziest it feels like longer than six seven months you know I've changed so much. I've learned so much. I've set up a whole new apartment. I've made new friends. Um, everyone says the six month mark is kind of like the tough part because you've done all the hard work. You've put, you know, I've set up new health insurance. I've got a new apartment. I've done all the kind of admin stuff. And now it's just about waiting for things to kind of click into place. So unfortunately, this is a little bit of a, you know, this kind of mess or changes things up a bit. But, you know, at the same time, we're just making the most and trying to make the best of what we, you know, of this situation because there's nothing else I can do. In terms of being there, I definitely think it was the right decision, you know, the opportunities over there and just the experiences I've had. I don't lie. I think when I left, I wasn't sure if I'd come back. I feel like I probably will come back now, maybe after another year or so. But um, it definitely makes you appreciate home more as well. And I suppose like there's quite a small group of um, bloggers that are here and you kind of see everybody out and like the industry is quite small in Ireland, obviously, because the country is quite small. So, you know, I mean, I say you knew everybody who was in the industry so much here. Is New York just completely filled with bloggers? Like how, how, like, do you kind of see the same faces at events and stuff like that? So when I first moved, it felt like it was so big um, and felt like there were so many different agencies. And there is like, there's definitely more than here. Well, you do start to see the same people and I have definitely made a nice group of blogger friends that I can hang out with and that I see at events and we'll go to events together and we'll help each other out, you know, whether it's taking photos or whether it's inviting, you know, bringing someone along to an event or introducing people, stuff like that. Um, The style is quite different there, like how they blog, how they, um, you know, create content online. It's quite different than in Ireland. So that's been an adjustment because I'm trying to grow there, but like I'm Irish and a lot of my audience is Irish. So it's about trying to find the balance, you know. In terms of working from home, because obviously so many people now in Ireland and the world are working from home. And it's something that I kind of struggle with because I've always thought about people who work for themselves and who, you know, have that 
ability to get up and go and I know that so many people are struggling with it now and mm-hmm. um, you work for yourself and and so I know that you've kind of vlogged about it before and I've watched them and gotten inspiration from your list and all that kind of stuff but I mean any advice for people who are just feeling because honestly Louise there are some days when I'm just like I could stay in bed work from bed not get up and I don't know if anybody would notice like but it's it can be draining as well I know well, first of all, you have to bear in mind that this is a crazy time for everyone. So if you have a day where you want to stay in bed, then do. Like, stay in bed a little bit longer, you know? Like, don't be hard on yourself about it. But in general, working from home, I find it is good to get up and get out. So if that's getting up and getting your 2K walk in the morning, I really do think that helps your head. It helps you wake up. Because I find if I wake up and I'm working in the same space I just woke up from, I find I'm a bit groggy and a bit slow moving. So for me, that really helps getting up and getting out. And then I just kind of, I suppose, if you could break up the day into hours, give yourself a lunchtime, give yourself a finish time and be strict about that. Because especially at the moment, we don't know how long this is going to go on for. So it's not sustainable to overwork yourself, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I know like I actually interviewed um a couple of people who are, you know, content creators and stuff like that as well. And it's tough because obviously a lot of jobs are being cancelled and, and all that kind of stuff at the moment. It's quite like it's it's across so many different industries. Um, for you, like you're so established in your job and, you know, you've, you've been a really successful uh, blogger for years now. What kind of advice would you say to people who, who are struggling with that and kind of struggling to maybe see the light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to this? Because like you said, it's not going to be forever and, you know, the things are going to bounce back but it's understandable that people especially when you work for yourself and especially when it's up to you to be creating all the content mm-hmm. that are feeling a little bit like low what kind of advice would you have yeah it's a tricky one because uh you can create content in the same way that we normally do people don't necessarily want to see that the content that we normally create you have to be sensitive to that um and then in terms of money it's scary you know and luckily like the government are really helping people out so that's good you know that's something for the moment and all of our expenses are down because we're not obviously going out as much so that's something else to bear in mind um the positive thing to take from it is that it kind of strips blogging and all that stuff back to what it's really about um which is like connecting with people sharing things that you love um and that's kind of it you know um I think there is still room to create a little bit of content that, you know, isn't related to what what we're going through. I think people like the little bit of escapism in the beauty and the fashion. And I think that's okay too. But um, you kind of have to be sensitive to what people are looking to see. And I think online during times of this can be a dangerous place. So you just have to be careful and kind of tread carefully. And I mean, is the plan, you know, obviously when isolation and when things kind of get back to normal and when it's safe to do so the plan is obviously to go back to New York and kind of uh keep working there for a while um you're not planning on moving back to Ireland anytime soon for good are you no no the plan is definitely to go back to New York um I think this little break almost came at a good time because I was finding it hard at the six month mark and now all the the struggles I was having with working from home I'm seeing everybody else having those struggles and it definitely makes me feel like less alone and less like crazy you know so when I go back whenever that may be hopefully may um I'm going to get a working space and just try and get out of the house more and try and actually enforce these things that I've learned from looking at everybody else doing it you know and then I think when it's your when you're into your second year apparently it gets easier because you'll have done it before you know you kind of know what you're expecting so 
hopefully. Louise, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. It's been great catching up. And look, I know it's a really weird time, but like best of luck with everything when you head back to New York and can't wait to see what you continue to do. Thank you so much. Thanks, Neve. So good to talk to you. So that was Louise there. Thank you so much, Louise Cooney, for coming on. And also, I just wanted to mention as well that Louise has been doing incredible work for Pieta House for raising funds, much needed funds for them at the moment. Head over to her page, her Instagram page, if you want to learn more about the important work that they do as well. Um, Now, moving on to my next guest, Elaine Doyle. She is a life coach. And I have to say, I chatted to her earlier on and I was so impressed. I mean, I've been following her on Instagram for a good while, so I'm impressed with her anyway. But the chat we ended up having, everything from yin-yang energies, which I didn't know a huge amount, to what vegetables to grow if you want to grow vegetables for the first time. I kind of wanted it to be potatoes. It's not, but I won't give too much away. Uh, She's brilliant and she's great fun. So go follow her if you don't follow her. Elaine underscore Doyle underscore on Instagram. Take a listen. Elaine, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Neve. Delighted to be here. No, delighted to have you. I've been following you yeah. on Instagram for quite a while. And when I saw you kind of out and about in nature doing your vegetables, I was like, right, this is it. I have to get Elaine on. But for anybody who um, who doesn't follow you and who doesn't know the work that you do, can you explain a little bit first um, about the work you do as a life coach? Yeah, so um, just a little bit about me. I worked in the area of mental health for the past six to seven years as a mental health social worker and therapist. And I've always been drawn to helping people. And I suppose in the last year or two, I've realised that working in the area of mental health kind of meant that I was working with people in a kind of treatment way rather than a preventative way. By the time I was working with clients, a lot of the difficulties had already kind of arose. So I really wanted to move into a more preventative career where I was able to help and support people before they kind of got to a point where their mental health had taken over, if that makes sense, Niamh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's so interesting because when you say preventative, obviously when we go and we kind of seek out help when it comes to anything to do with our mental health, there is a large part of the damage has already been done. It's it's in the past type thing. So you really want to kind of concentrate on on working with people before they get to that point. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. I think what I learned from working in the area of mental health, and just to tell people, I worked um I worked as a counselor um with the army in Sydney. I worked in a primary school and I managed a mental health counselling counselling service in in Perth in Western Australia. So I had a lot of experience working on the front line in mental health. And what I realized was it was simple things that people weren't doing every day that made them get to a point where, you know, their mental health was taking over. And I thought, you know, what we need more of in the world is people helping people to incorporate things into their daily life so that they're not feeling suicidal, where they're not getting to a point where they need medication. Um, and that is exactly what made me um, to become a life coach then, because I realized life coaching is probably a little less stigmatized. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that was one thing I learned when I moved back to Ireland a couple of years ago, that there is still a lot of stigma around seeking help and asking for support. So I felt like becoming a life coach was the, the best way that I could um 
help people to incorporate things into their lives that were going to help them um, yeah, improve their well-being so they weren't getting to a point where they needed to numb with medication or yeah. you know, have to go into a hospital. And and working um, in uh, working in Australia, do you find um, that the Australians are a lot more open to kind of speaking about struggles when it comes to their mental health uh, uh, in in comparison to Irish people? Is it very much because I know that's one thing that you know obviously I think we've come on in leaps and bounds in Ireland when it comes to talking about mental health and talking about our well being, but it's still very far removed if you compare it to American society, for example. What what's it like in Australia? Yeah, it's very different. You know, my whole career, I, I finished my master's and I moved to Australia. So my whole career was in Australia. So when I came home after five years, I couldn't believe that, like, not everybody had their own therapist. I was like, yeah, like, like we all just did it in Australia. And I suppose the thing is, me, like, there's a lot more money pumped into mental health in Australia, which means it's a lot more accessible to everybody. So the service I would have managed was... um a GP referral counselling service where GPs would refer patients to us that we would see for therapy. So, and it, it was low cost because in Australia, you um, you don't have to pay much to go to the doctor. Like everybody has a medical card. So it was a lot more accessible. Like there was way more services yeah. available. And even like I was, a, I was a therapist in a primary school. Um, I mean, that's unheard of here. It's unheard of. So, in Australia, there is a lot more money pumped into mental health. There's a lot more, um, like Australia has been way ahead with the whole plant-based diet, healthy living. So um, it was a shock to me um, when I came home um, that I just forgot that, like, talking about your emotions wasn't that um, normal or easy, you know. Yeah. And um, I actually, I wrote um uh, a piece in the Irish Times at the end of 2017 about the difficulties of moving home. Mm. And I expressed how difficult I found working in mental health in Ireland and how, you know, how difficult it was. And like the backlash I got from people was just crazy around like, why are you talking about like sadness or, you know, people just weren't used to someone being so open. Yeah. Um, And I was like, that's what we need more of in the world. Um, given permission to people to feel and to own their emotions. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jesus, we're glad to have you back in this country anyway, dealing with dealing with us. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, one of the things that kind of popped up on when I was following your Instagram account was the, the video that you put up there a few days back about uh, do less and be more. And I just think like it's such an interesting minefield that we're in at the moment in terms of this uh, unprecedented situation. I mean, nobody could have ever anticipated this. And I feel like, you know, people who are working in your industry are are probably a lot more equipped with potentially a global pandemic than kind of your everyday person who's who's been trucking along. And I think a lot of people are talking about the things that we're all almost supposed to do now that we're in this situation. And it's becoming so much more of a pressure cooker as well. So for anybody who hasn't seen it, you should go on um, to Elaine Doyle's Instagram account. The Emotion Coach is, is her name on Instagram as well. And you can see the full video there. But can you talk us through a little bit of your logic behind the, the do less, be more situation? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because um, I think it's this is the whole point of this epidemic is to to get us to slow down 
there's no quick answer to this, but um, and it, it, I, I kind of need to explain the background as to why I got to a place where I was putting up a video around do less, be, uh, be more. Yeah, of course. Against, do it. Against, Explain It's against yeah. the grain, really. It's against course. the grain. But when I set up my life coaching business back in September, um, my reason obviously was to, um, you know, help people to tune more into a sustainable life for themselves. And what I learned, and I, I work, all of my clients are actually women. So I work just with women at the moment. And basically, um, on reflecting over the past six months, what I realized is that I'm helping people to do less and not to do more. Because what's happened is for, you know, decades and centuries, we've been living in a very yang lifestyle of doing. So I'm not sure if you're like, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the um, listeners would be familiar with the yin yang yin yang energy so yang I'm going to need like you I'm going to need you to explain that to me a little bit because I I am familiar of the term but not necessarily the energies behind it yeah yeah and I'm really glad you asked that because a lot of you know it'd be good for people everyone listening to get um a little bit of understanding of this so in the human body we all need a balance of yin and yang energy it's also known as feminine or masculine energy. And no matter whether you're a male or a female, you need a balance of both energies. So um, yin is like feeling our emotions, it's being, it's nurturing, um, it's sensual, it's all of those side, uh, kind of characteristics. And then the yang is like the doing and the logic and being productive. And what's happened is over the centuries and the decades, we have just been in the yang energy. Yeah. And for most of my life, I was in the yang energy. And what I realized when I was working in mental health was if most of society are living a life without any yin in their life, mm -hmm. without any feminine energy of feeling, which we talked about earlier on, and being. So whether you're male or female, you need to be you know, tuning into your emotions and relaxing. So I really feel like, and I just want to, I just want to acknowledge, you know, we are in the midst of an epidemic and I really honour how difficult this is for everybody. And I do feel like the main message from this epidemic is to slow down and to be more. Um, because we have put all our value in being productive and ticking boxes, and earning loads of money and traveling the world and keeping up with like travel Instagrammers and, you know, getting to every Instagrammable, Instagrammable spot in the world. Yeah. All that doing and achieving and ticking boxes has killed or is killing Mother Earth. And not only when we damage Mother Earth, the planet, we are also harming ourselves because it isn't sustainable to be working 60 hours a week yeah. or to be traveling the world all the time. And I did that video because I know that this is what this time is about. Like throughout the world right now, everybody is within their homes. Yeah. You know, We're, like what is the message? The message is to just stop doing your value is not on how much you get done in a day. I know it's so it's so interesting that you kind of talked about that in the video because it's almost alien to think about that not being our value because 
like obviously what's happening with this epidemic is is destroying so many people's lives and it's horrific but there does seem to be uh, another side to it where like you said when has there ever been a time when the entire the entire like population of Ireland are all within their homes and so the self-reflection comes whether you asked for it or not and to be honest with you Elaine I was also very happy to see that video because if one more person asked me to go for a walk I don't like walking I said it I don't enjoy walking it's for some people it's not for other people I don't like going for a walk but the only thing that you can do in this situation is go for a walk and to be honest with you I felt very very guilty about not liking walking and that's okay not to want to go for a walk though right oh my god a hundred percent like um you know there's so more pressure than uh, than ever to be doing all these things and as I said in the video what you're doing is you're bringing the yang energy and the external into the internal of the home. So we were busy doing in the external and feeling guilty about, oh, I should be doing more. And now we've just brought that energy right into our homes. And like, you do not need to become a yogi in this time. You do not need to do 10,000 steps in a day. This is a time for deep rest, deep rest. Definitely. I think it's the only way that people are going to get through it as well. Just like trying not to be hard on themselves and trying not to live up to your neighbors or the people that you follow on social media, because it will just bring a different type of negative energy. Do you know, it will just bring a, another form of stress. And to be honest, we all have enough stress as, as it is right now. A hundred percent. And you know, you, you touched on something earlier where you said like none of us foreseen this coming. Mm. I really did because um, I really felt like a lot of people I know and the clients I work with had a difficult, very difficult 2019. I don't know if you experienced that. I and mean, what I was doing was it was getting us ready for these different things. Like 2020 is eyes wide open, you know, clear vision. The Australian bushfires were the start of it. We couldn't yeah. keep continuing our lives the way it was going. It wasn't sustainable. And um, I know that it is, it's hard to grasp that, but it, it we just, we... Mother Earth had to force us into the this time, which was to do less and to be more. We were never really going to get to that point really by ourselves. Yeah. Um, and what I noticed was the clients who I started working with in September are really grounded and um, transitioning through this period really well because they've already learned how to be and to do less. And I suppose what I'm seeing is now the whole world is in this place and it e- isn't an easy place to be in. Like I remember when I first um, like gave up the day job, it's a dark place to be in. Like it's very uncertain and it can be scary. And I do want to honor that. Do less and be more. It sounds great, but it can be like for you to just sit and not go for the walk. Guilt does come up, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. Emotions come up when you no longer do things that your body is screaming at you not to do absolutely definitely shame comes up um I'm not good enough I'm lazy yeah it's it's mad it's mad and it's just and it's 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 something that I think it is a responsibility on each individual person to to recognize what is causing those feelings of shame and guilt and stuff and then to kind of combat those now of course I'm not a life coach and presumably when you're talking to your clients that's kind of the thing that you do because whenever I feel those 
feelings of shame or guilt kind of creep in, it, I just have to tell myself, cop, cop myself on because for me, like working out is such a really great stress reliever for me, way more than going for a walk on the beach. I find it quite boring and like, that's okay. It's not usually expected. People are supposed to love getting out and getting fresh air and walking. I would prefer to go and do hill sprints, do you know? So it's different for everybody and you can't put yourself in the same category as other people throughout this because you just have to kind of keep plowing ahead, don't you? Yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head there, which is, don't compare and do what feels good for you and your body, not what you think you should be doing or what others are doing. What feels good for you? Yeah. And that's where Instagram can be really detrimental because there's workshops and there's this, that and the other. And there's so many free offerings. And I really feel like what, you know, the planet is trying to teach us is tune into what your heart desires are and what your intuition is trying to tell you all the time like your intuition knows you don't like a walk yeah to her she'll reward you for that for listening to her and you know you know where you find your good feeling which is working out or whatever it's really simple like people are saying to me what are the best strategies at this time and it's like feel your emotions cry I went out um to Connemara two weeks ago and I screamed like I was just like I felt angry and I just screamed Elaine that is crazy I screamed into the ocean the other day I literally went down to the beach which is within two kilometers of my house and I screamed into the ocean my boyfriend thought I had lost it but I was just frustrated and I just wanted to scream and what happens when you don't let that out do you think where does that energy go I don't know, I probably would have screamed at him, to be honest with you. So it was better out than in. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so so this is a really good example, right? So um, if you, so ener- uh, emotions are energy in motion. So they're energy and they just need to be transcended from the body out. So tears, dancing, crying, writing, singing, poetry. So we can transcend our emotions in any of those ways. And when we scream or transcending the energy really quickly we swallow that anger um it stays in our body and we end up you know having a go at him or we end up actually going home and having a glass of wine yeah or we end up going you know what I really need a holiday and we book a holiday and all those things aren't good for ourselves and they're not good for the environment so a lot of the things that we seek um like a lot of our coping mechanisms aren't sustainable they're not good for ourselves or the planet you know like how many people live for the weekend how many people live for their holidays because we're not feeling our emotions and then that has a ripple effect we numb and distract we numb and distract we work 60 hours a week so we don't have to feel that anger or that fear and that's what planet earth is saying now no more it isn't sustainable just feel your emotions and do what feels good Yeah, well, I would definitely highly recommend uh, screaming into the ocean if you do feel so inclined. Um, Slightly, what you kind of touched on there about, you know, Instagram being that kind of dangerous place. I have to say, when I saw the videos of you kind of being out in the sunshine and embarking upon your vegetables and growing vegetables, I felt so happy watching that. And that's when I got in touch with you because... You, you're not talking about being an expert, but you are talking about the fact that like, you know, your family and the land that you have there 
you know, it's something that's been in your family for a really long time. And so you wanted to try this out. And I've always wanted to try growing vegetables. I feel like a lot of people are getting green fingers in this kind of situation. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, how it's going and also how the hell do how the hell do I grow vegetables, basically, Elaine? If you could tell me that, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. You know, Neva, there's so many women our age that have messaged me saying they're interested in it. So funny. And, well, you see, it comes back to, you know, and I know I'm mentioning the more spiritual aspect, the yin energy and the feminine, right? So the yin feminine energy is the nurturing and the being. And what better way to incorporate those kind of um, characteristics by growing your own life things like vegetables like it really incorporates that nurturing feminine energy and you know um we as women have fought for our rights to be equal and to get into the workplace and I feel like a lot of us there's a part of us that wants to be at home growing vegetables like you know I just live in off the land I'm really sensing that from a lot of women and men that's like okay is it really feminine to be working five days a week 60 something seven or 60 whatever hours like is that really feminine is that really part of what we want now maybe it is for some people but for a lot of people and a lot of my clients who are my age are moving down to part-time or starting their own businesses because I think now is the time we're really just wanting to be more nurturing Mm -hmm. and yeah that's just my um uh idea of it and I suppose the whole thing with the vegetables is it's, it's also, you know, what we're learning now is that like being self-sufficient is worth its weight in gold because, Definitely. you know, we can't get to supermarkets and things like that. So when you're looking at your carbon footprint, like, you know, vegetables have come from the other side of the world. And if you grow them out in your garden, they have zero carbon footprint. So it's not only good for your well-being, but it's also good for um for the planet. So it's something that I've wanted to do for a really long time. I've kind of been just reaping the rewards at home here by just picking the vegetables. And yeah. um, I finally had the time to learn because of this um, social isolation. So I'm really grateful for that. So, um, you know, it's really helped me to slow down because I'm big into walk, walks and nature and hiking. And when you're growing your own vegetables you really need to be like present you really need to nurture the the seeds and the plants you really need to slow down so it really incorporates what this whole epidemic is about if that makes sense it's really teaching definitely I have to ask that what is the easiest vegetable if you've never grown a vegetable or planted a seed before in your life what is the easiest vegetable which has the lowest failure rate because I don't want to fail at this. <laughs> Good question. And you know what? It brings up, so it, that brings up a lot because what was my reason for not doing it? I was afraid I was going to fail. So you afraid, exactly, afraid of vegetable failure. I've literally just started to be, yeah. now my, my instinct goes to tomatoes, but I'd love it if you said potato, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm actually going to say wheatgrass um, oh. because yeah, it's something every all the listeners can do. Um, and just before I get into the wheatgrass making, it is you really do have to kind of like it's it really made me um combat some negative beliefs around why do I think I'm going to fail at this? Like, yeah, I'm well able to do this. And um, you have to kind of trust in yourself. So it was a bit of a spiritual practice for me. My dad was like, You can't go wrong, like, like this isn't rocket science. So yeah. it's like we fear something and then we step into it. 
we step into the unknown and we realize it's not as hard as we thought. So um, as you said, I'm learning as I go, but I'm, I am realizing that it's so easy. Like it's so easy, but small steps, small steps. So what I did was about a month or two ago, I started off growing wheatgrass and I am going to upload a video soon of exactly how to um, grow wheatgrass. So the listeners can go over and have a look at that next week. But just like, this is how simple it is. You literally like soak the seeds overnight and when they start to sprout, like a little thing comes out of them, you can't miss it. You you put it on two inches of soil. You put this, put two, two inches of soil in your um, potting tray. You sprinkle the sprouted seeds on it. You cover it with a, a thin layer of compost and you water it and that's it. Two weeks, you know, a week or two later, you have this gorgeous, luscious, wheatgrass juice or wheatgrass that you know make into wheatgrass juice which would probably cost you a fiver for one shot in a hipster cafe and you're like how is everybody not growing this it's yeah. so easy so I would I would and it, it, when you when you do that you see how easy it is and then that gives you that confidence to go on and go further and to sow your potatoes or your you know, onions or whatever Okay, wheatgrass yeah. it is. That doesn't it like you've you've taken the fear out for me. That doesn't that sounds manageable. It doesn't sound scary and I don't know why I'm afraid of failure when it comes to vegetables. I feel cuz it's my my dad will be really interested. I feel like this could be a family thing because I feel like if I tell people that I'm growing vegetables, my dad will be really really proud of me and he'll be asking after it a lot and I just need to make sure that I succeed. But wheatgrass is pretty much foolproof initially. Can't go wrong. You can't okay. go wrong and you are, it's going to give you that confidence and you're going to see the magic in nature and yeah. how a small seed can turn into this abundance of something that gives you so many nutrients. So start off with that. And, you know, I, I, I this, it really represents the time that we're in. We're in this dark, uncertain place. And that's where all the seeds and possibilities grow because that's where the wheatgrass is coming from. It's coming from this dark soil that's where all life comes from and you know there's so many benefits me from getting our hands into the soil so I don't know if people know but when you put your hands into the soil there's actually a bacteria present in the soil that releases endorphins stuff that actually makes us feel good so like instead of antidepressants even if you're not growing vegetables go out and get your hands into the soil is wow. literally like having yeah, it's like having an antidepressant hit. Um, that is incredible. That's incredible. I have to say, Elaine, I feel so I feel so much more motivated after chatting to you. And if anybody doesn't follow Elaine on Instagram, Elaine underscore Doyle underscore go, I would really recommend watching yeah. the, the Do Less, Be More video, but also the tutorials that Elaine has going on as well. You've got three tutorials up now when it comes to vegetables, but there's more coming, right? More coming. I'm recording the next one this evening, and that's how how you actually plant onions and potatoes. And wait till your wait till the listeners are seeing it. It, can, it literally can't be easier. Like it just could not be easier. So I really feel like the new self care need is getting our hand into the soil, connecting in with that life force that is within all things. And um, yeah, it's a sustainable way to go. It's incredible. Well, look, we'll we'll link everything down below in the description box. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you, they'll be able to do so. But Elaine, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us today. Thank you so much, Neve. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that. And uh, best of luck with Wheatgrass. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. There you have it.
promise, Elaine, I'm going to try my best. No guarantees, uh, but look, there's nothing to lose. I just want to eat my own potatoes. If that's a possibility in my life, I will be thrilled. Elaine underscore Doyle underscore is her name on Instagram. If you want to go and follow her at the emotion coach, she's brilliant. Uh, right. So I mentioned uh, a businessman earlier on in the show. Neil Sands is his name. He set up a not-for-profit fund to assist medical professionals from around the world to come home to Ireland and um, people who want to come back and help with the coronavirus outbreak here. There's so many different things that need to be taken into consideration from obviously the cost of flights to red tape, to whether or not medical professionals are are able to study medicine practice here, depending on where they've studied. Um, and also there's the whole case of accommodation. Where are they going to live? How are they going to get to the hospitals? So um, he started this fund. I spoke to him earlier on in the week. The full interview is over on the Her Instagram page. So I'll leave you with this. And thank you again for tuning in. And thank you so much for subscribing. And we will chat to you next week. I'm Neil Sands. I am the founder of the Ireland's Call Initiative. So that's a group of non-for-profit uh, volunteers that are focused on um, really bringing the medical profession from around the world back to Ireland. So folks that would have graduated or spent time away and we uh, accept the public's help to do that. So it's um, a real kind of cross societal effort. We had um, a student this morning who offered his delivery month salary. He's a part-time delivery driver. And then we had a woman in Drada who was 71 and she said that she would move out of her place to help facilitate the self-isolation of some returning doctors from Australia. So we've had um, a real cross uh, kind of community effort and the business and, and tech sectors particularly have rode in behind this, which is fantastic. I mean, Neil, how did you, you said there the business and tech sectors and stuff like that, obviously it's gaining a lot of traction now and a lot of people are talking about it and stuff, but how did you kind of go from potentially seeing that there was an idea and a concept that could get over the line to actually getting people involved in investing and giving funds towards this? Yeah, it's kind of happened by accident. So um, I was in California for the last 10 years. I've only just kind of moved home um, in the months prior to Christmas and um, I saw a, a real need when I was away for um, avenues that we should be creating to try and bring some of our brightest and best, I'm not a great example of that, but some of our brightest and best back to Ireland. And so I wanted to uh, do that with the medical profession, just given that there's so many hard workers on our front line that need the help. And I think we've been more than generous to the rest of the world with our intellectual capital and, and our, our human capital. And, I just said, look, I'll fly two people home if, if, uh, if we can get them to volunteer. And for better or worse, that, that communication, it was a tweet, and I don't tweet a lot, but it went viral. And um, it was seen more than 7 million times. And we've taken applications from all over the world now for folks who want that bit of financial support to come home, because I think that will is out there. But it's a, it's a matter of finance as well as, uh, as will. Is there anything that you're encountering in terms of um challenges when it comes to uh making sure that people are able to practice medicine here or is that something that you kind of are dealing with on a case-by-case -case basis in terms of like i heard something there in the news there recently that someone wanted to get back but uh, they had trained in america and so they weren't qualified here is that anything that you're kind of dealing with or no yes absolutely so there's a number of challenges for folks that want to come home not least of which that they are leaving a community where they are currently serving right so there's there's a definitely a, a question of 
you know, where uh, these folks are best applied, especially in a global pandemic where I think, you know, the the need is nearly created equal in every country now and, and some more so than others. Um, I will say that the density of physicians to population here in Ireland is lower. So there's certainly a need here. In terms of the qualifications that some doctors and nurses have, we do have challenges still, I think, in, in um, within our authorities to recognize uh, qualifications. And I think that that's something that's been looked at on an ongoing basis. We had a helicopter uh, doctor who's serving uh, in the American military who put themselves forward, said they would fly themselves. I don't know if that was metaphorically or financially. Um, and uh, we we did ask and their qualification is recognized despite being a practitioner for almost 17 years now. So uh, we, we'd see some of that, but I think the, the major challenge for folks is just um, getting home, getting uh, self-isolated for the 14 days and it's an expensive flight, right? Like even flights from London right now are 750 euro and, you, and you're dealing with folks that are young professionals, they're at the front of their career. They, many of them, the ones that we've certainly transited over the course of the last few days, have forked out out of their own pocket 2,000 and 3,000 euros um, for flights that have been canceled and not yet refunded. So they desperately want to come home and we desperately need them. And so the funds are forthcoming, which is fantastic. Once they do get home, obviously there's the self-isolation aspect, but then there's also the issue of accommodation. So can you tell us a little bit about um, how you're tackling that challenge and how people are getting involved to kind of help out with that? Because accommodation alone in Ireland is a nightmare, as everybody knows. Accommodation, I've moved back from America as well. So accommodation is, is a topic near and dear to my heart, if I should say dear. Um, yeah, look, the HSC are doing actually fantastic work on this. There's a load of latent capacity within hotels in particular. So you, you see the likes of the City West Hotel has been made available both as a self-isolation unit and as an extended care uh, facility. So there's plenty of, of space in the hotels. The issue is kind of threefold. The first is you're going to expose staff to um, potentially compromised, com uh, compromised professionals within the hotel. That's the first. The second is that the government levy is 350 euros. So every hotel worker in Ireland who is earning that or maybe a little less has no incentive other than their own goodwill to go to work for a hotel that's um, that's potentially going to be housing COVID compromised uh, staff. And then the third, I think, is the uh, availability of hotels near hospitals, because, again, you're putting folks into taxis or we're putting them in, in the back of uh, ambulances now to transit doctors to and from that, again, may be COVID compromised. So there's there's a, a, a plethora of issues around accommodation. But the HSC is working pretty hard on that. We've also seen, and I think landlords get a very hard rap in Ireland, probably for, for good reasons, but we've seen the likes of Airbnb landlords who have three, four, five properties coming forward saying, look, if you'll keep the lights on and you know you pay the, the gas or the electricity, we'll donate these houses to the folks that are coming home. And we had, like I say, a ton of folks across the country have offered. Um, I Myself, I was um, going to isolate with my folks. And so I, I was offering, when I, when I offered to fly the two doctors home, I was offering my own place. Um, and so many people have come forward to do that because they're vacating the property. They're, they want to be with their partner or their parents or whomever. And, and that's out there. So I think there's lots and lots of accommodation and just a ton of goodwill to try and help facilitate as many people coming home as possible. People can get involved through a couple of channels. We have the website, which is www.answerirelandscall.com. So this is really an opportunity for anybody who's got a euro in their pocket and wants to create an impact on the front line to bolster those folks that are 
getting up off their couch every day when we stay on ours and try and adapt to a new normal. They're going out and fighting for us on the front lines and for people that we know and, and we love. And if there's any opportunity for you to kind of put on the green jersey and uh, stand shoulder to shoulder with our with our frontline staff, this is it. And, and I think we can all answer our own call together.